Well, how about we read the Bible? We're going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 to 10. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Hello? Give me a little more. He's had a big day. We have our wild salmon and hair fare and the chicken nuggy wuggies with extra ketchup, just how my little man likes it. We ain't mad. We're just disappointed. You're breaking our hearts. That's my little guy. Hey, don't stay up too late. They'd be crazy not to hire you. Luckily, you only have one mom. Show her she's special. Thank you. Oh, you got some schmutz. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Well, I don't know about you, but my mum is all of those things. And strangely, I love her for it. Only mums can get away with that sort of behaviour, right? Well, welcome to our Mother's Day service. My name's Sam. I'm one of the pastors here at Hunter Bible Church. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what your relationship with your mum is like. Your, your mum might be your best friend. Or maybe the relationship is strained. Perhaps it's difficult at the moment. Maybe uh, Mother's Day this year, you miss your mum. Or, or maybe you just long to be a mum. Mother's Day can be a great source of joy, but also for some, it can be a, a source of real grief and pain. Whatever the case for you, it's always good, I think, to reflect on the relationships you have with the people around you for better or for worse on Mother's Day and to give thanks where that's appropriate. And I know that many of you who are watching today will have great parents. Uh, and sometimes we, uh, particularly sons, and I'm guilty of this, can be guilty of neglecting our mums, our poor mums. But it's also a great day to be also be able to think about what kind of parent I want to be, what, 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 what type of grandparent I might want to be, what kind of uncle or auntie or grandmother or grandfather that, that I might want to be. And to do that, we're going to look at 2 Timothy. And particularly, we're going to look at the women in Timothy's life and the influence that they had on him. And I want you to think, if you're a Christian, what kind of influence do you want to have in other people's lives? 
In 2006, crocodile hunter Steve Irwin died from a freak accident. Scuba diving with stingrays, he copped a lethal barb to the heart and he left his wife and two kids behind. At her dad's memorial service, eight-year-old Bindi Irwin got up and gave a remarkable speech. She said, my daddy was a hero. He was always there for me when I needed him. He listened to me and taught me so many things, but most of all, he was fun. I know that daddy had an important job. He was working to change the world so everyone would love wildlife like he did. I want to help endangered wildlife just like he did. See, Steve Irwin's love for the environment was contagious and his love for wildlife was passed on to his children, particularly Bindi Irwin. So be it your, your children or your nephews, nieces, people in the church who are younger than you, if you were going to affect someone's life, what would you like the outcome of their life to be? Well, Paul, in remembering his good friend Timothy, talks about Timothy's sincere faith. Now, what, what does that mean? What does that mean to say that he has a sincere faith? Well, in the Western world, we hold up sincerity as the chief virtue when we think about faith. So when we look at someone's faith, it doesn't really matter what they believe, but as long as they're sincere in that faith or, or that belief, as long as they really believe it, that's the thing that kind of counts. But the meaning of sincerity here in Timothy is actually just in contrast to the deceptive nature of others who are influencing the church at the time. So in 2 Timothy 2.16, uh, Paul says to Timothy, avoid godless chatter because those who indulge it will become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. So, so there are some who are influencing the church whose faith is not sincere. That is, it's not true faith. And so when we think about this sincere faith, it's really just emphasizing that his faith is solid. It's true. He's trusting in the right stuff, which makes sense, I think, of uh, the bigger context of the whole Bible. When the Bible talks about faith, the emphasis is always on the object of our faith. And Timothy's faith is sincere, not deceptive, because he trusts in the foundational good news of Jesus. Now, what is that good news? Well, you see it a little bit further down in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. It says, God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So it starts by saying Jesus has called us and saves us to a holy life. Now notice why it is that we are saved. It's very explicit here. We are saved not because of anything that we've done, including your sincerity, right? The gospel is not about how sincere your faith is. Now, now, that is actually the opposite of what most people think that Christianity is all about. Most people think the message of Christianity is be a good person in order to be okay with God, or at least be a sincere person to be okay with God. And most religions in the world are based on this idea that we do good stuff in order to win favor with the God or the gods. And nothing could be further from the truth of the gospel. 
Here is, it's, it's explicit, isn't it? Not because of anything we have done, but rather because of God's own purpose and God's grace. We are served, saved according to God's plan for our lives. So God is bringing about his sovereign purposes in the world. And so that's why we're saved. Not because of anything we've done, but because of God's purpose and grace. And so when did this great sovereign plan of God's salvation come into being? When, when was it enacted? We see in verse 9, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Now, that kind of rules me out from contributing to my salvation in any way, shape or form, right? It's kind of akin to taking credit for my conception and birth. I don't know about you, but I didn't do anything to bring me into the world. And neither is our salvation based on anything we have done because before the beginning of time is when the gift of salvation is given to you. That's a long time before you even existed. It's a long time before your mum became your mum. It's before the stars and the moon and the sun were created. It's before anything in this creation ever existed. So how can we have contributed to our salvation? Now God saves us, not because of anything we've done, but he saves us by his grace and his purpose. And that grace is gifted to us before the beginning of time. So why? Well, it's according to God's grace and purposes. When gifted that grace and salvation before the beginning of time. But it's actually kind of complicated. And you see this in verse 9. Have a look at verse 9 again with me. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. All right, so the gift of grace is brought into effect, it says here, through the appearing of Jesus. Now, which appearing is he talking about here? Well, it could be what we call the incarnation, right? The moment when God stepped into human history in the person of Jesus. And that is certainly true to say that God's grace appears in the incarnation. But I think the emphasis here in 2 Timothy is actually the resurrection appearances of Jesus. Because it's in his resurrection that he actually destroys death and brings life. See, not only, uh, not, not, not only was uh, his death for sin, you know, and, and that is the thing that saves us, but it's actually through his resurrection to life that Jesus demonstrates finally and fully that he's destroyed death and brought life and immortality. So the resurrection is the great victory march, if you like, of Jesus that shouts to the cosmos that death has been defeated and life and immortality can be yours. So do you see what's going on here? This is the timeline of salvation, if you like. Grace given before the beginning of time, brought into effect into the present through the appearing of Jesus and his resurrection providing eternal life and immortality. That is life that is, you know, that means that this life is, is not all there is. We can actually live forever with God. And so this is the substance of faith. 
the sincere faith that Paul sees in Timothy. This is the good news that he believes. Now, if you don't yet know Jesus, we want you, we want to invite you to know him. Chances are you're watching because your son or your daughter or your mum or, or someone has invited you along to this online service to watch church for Mother's Day. And that's because they want you to believe the good news. They might not have told you that yet, but they want you to take hold of this life and immortality that is available by trusting in Jesus. When Paul talks about the destruction of death, and life and immortality. He's talking about the things that we are most afraid of in this life, isn't he? The great unknown of what happens beyond this world. Comically, uh, Jessica Brown wrote in The Guardian recently. She says, death is a fear strong enough to compel us to force kale down our throats, run sweatily on a treadmill at 6 a.m. on Sunday on Monday morning, and show our genitals to a stranger with cold hands and a white coat if we feel something's a little off. And what Jesus offers here, friends, is certainty in the face of death. Not a vague hope, wishing that we might go to a better place, but a real hope, a hope of resurrection and eternal life because Jesus has gone before us into death. He's conquered death. And now he offers us eternal life. And we think this is the most important thing on your radar this weekend. Not lunch or dinner with the family, as good as that is, but the question of life and death. And we would love you to commit to finding out more about Jesus. Now, where did Timothy's faith come from? Well, Paul first meets Timothy in Acts. Acts chapter 16, and he's already a believer. Have a look in Acts 16, 1. Paul came to Derby and then went to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. So Timothy is described here as a disciple. His mother was Jewish heritage, but a believer in, in, in Jesus. And we learn in 2 Timothy that not only his mum was a believer, but also his grandmother was a believer. So 2 Timothy 1.5, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith and a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. So, so Timothy has learnt the gospel, the good news of Jesus from his family. His sincere faith is something that was passed on to him from his nana Lois and from his mum Eunice. And this is kind of made a little bit more explicit in, in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, it says, But as for you, continuing what you have learned and have become convinced of, Timothy, because you know those from whom you learned it, Nana Lois and Mum, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. See, see in this letter to, to Timothy, Paul uh, is, is urging him to equip the church and ensure that the gospel continues to be passed on and to be taught soundly from one generation to, to the next generation. He's been asked in this letter, all throughout this letter, to entrust that teaching that he holds firmly to, he, to entrust it to reliable people who will in turn entrust that to others. And that is exactly what Lois and Eunice have already done with Timothy. It seems they've raised Timothy in such a way that the gospel has taken hold of his life. Timothy's sincere faith is a generational faith. 
Last year, I went to the funeral of my wife's grandmother, Gloria Thieu. Gloria and her husband became Christians after one of their daughters decided that they wanted to go to Sunday school. They were instrumental in starting uh, St. Peter's Tamworth. And by the time St. Peter's had its first minister, Gloria was running a kids program of around about 300 kids. And essentially what uh, her and George did was they kick-started that, that church. They, they, they helped that church to kind of get rolling and get functioning. And what you've seen in the family of Gloria and George is that all of their children are Christian men and women. And most of their grandchildren are Christian men and women. And the vast majority of their great-great their great-grandchildren are being raised as Christians and making decisions to follow Jesus for themselves. There's generational Christianity. Who knows if Timothy ended up with a family, right? But he certainly passed the gospel on to the next generation. That is what he was charged to do. In 2 Timothy 2, he says, and, this, and, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So you've got Lois and Eunice and then Paul's thrown into the mix to Timothy and then on to the next generation. And in many ways, we actually stand on the shoulders of Timothy even today. I want you to be encouraged by this. Mums and dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunties, uncles, godparents, youth leaders, kids leaders. I want you to see the magnificent role you can have just within your family, and if not your family, the church family, of passing the gospel on to the next generation. And so on Mother's Day today, I want us to give thanks for our mums, yeah? Mums, if if you don't know Jesus, we're praying that you will take the time to investigate Jesus' claim to have defeated death and given us life and immortality. And, And for everyone else who already trusts in Jesus, I want you to think, how can I be a gospel influencer? Everyone wants to be an influencer these days, right? In 2018, Ryan Kaji and his family made $22 million on YouTube. Now, what happens on his YouTube channel? Basically, Ryan plays with his new toys and his mum kind of runs around after him like a lunatic with a camera and brands just throw toys at him to make an appearance on his YouTube channel. And the next thing you know, in one year, he earns $22 million. Kids today actually see being an influencer as a career path. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? But I wonder, have you ever thought of yourself as an influencer, a gospel influencer? That's effectively what Lois and Eunice are, gospel influencer. That's effectively what mums and dads and aunties and uncles and grandmas and grandpas can be within the church family, gospel influencers, people who have a sincere faith and hand the good news of the gospel onto the next generation. There's an old saying that was uh, stolen from a Mennonite preacher who reflected on his Christian heritage and he said, the first generation preaches the gospel, the second generation assumes the gospel and begins to focus on other things. The third generation forgets the gospel and the other things become the main thing. The fourth generation denies the gospel. You see, friends, the future of the church actually depends on the simple principle of being sound in the faith, 
and passing it on. 2 Timothy 2.2 the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses in trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Be a gospel influencer. Now, how do you do, how do, you do that? Do you need a YouTube channel? No, I think all you need to do is just be a little bit deliberate. So the first step is, parents, be deliberate with your own children. Don't outsource your Christians growth, your, your, your kids' Christian growth to youth and kids here at Hunter Bible Church or, or even the Christian school that they're attending. Those things are there to supplement the gospel influence you have at home. If you're here and part of us at Hunter Bible Church, our youth and kids team, they, they long to partner with you as parents and grandparents. And so when you get emails from them, take the time to, to read through them. Ask yourself the question, what can I be doing at home in order to maximise the kids, youth, kids and youth programs that they are running already? Be deliberate with your own, your own children. The second, the second thing I want to encourage you to do is be deliberate with one other person. Think about who can I influence? Who can I meet up with and encourage them in the Lord? It might be someone in your growth group or someone new that you meet at church. It might be somebody who goes to one of the other congregations like Uni Church, for example. I think one of the great things about the baptisms that took place over Easter is seeing the bond that was formed between the person being baptised and the person who baptised them. There you saw a great example of the gospel being passed on to the next generation. I want to encourage you to just be deliberate with that one other person. The third thing I'd love to encourage you to do is to pray for our youth and kids. Have you noticed here at Hunter Bible Church at the moment that youth and kids is no longer a small deal, but it's a big deal. And our team there is doing a great job of passing the good news of Jesus on to the next generation. One of the things I personally have loved seeing on a Friday night is our youth leaders who grew up in our church, sat under the leadership of kids leaders here at church every week for a very long time, went along to youth and youth weekend away, uh, and now teaching the Bible to my daughter and her friends every single week at youth. You know, it's really hard being a Christian in today's culture for these teenagers. Our youth leaders are under the same kind of pressure in their culture and our kids and teenagers are facing these pressures as well. So I want to encourage you to pray that they would stand firm in the Lord. Pray that they would have a sincere faith like Timothy and Lois and Eunice. And be deliberate. Be thinking to yourself, how can I be a gospel influencer? How can I hand on, pass on the sincere faith that was first passed on to me? Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mother's Day. We thank you for the great opportunity it is to give thanks for our mums. And Father, we pray that you would help us as mums and dads and grandpas and grandmas and aunties and uncles and youth leaders and kids leaders, help us to be thinking, how can we be gospel influencers within our church family? 
and within our own nuclear families. We pray for deliberateness. We pray that we would be looking for every opportunity where we can do that. And help us to just take those, those small deliberate steps forward. And we ask these things in your son's good name. Amen.